What's going on, my people? You're listening to The Score, an urban music education podcast hosted by Eric and Justin, where we discuss tips and strategies on how to become a more effective, compassionate, and culturally responsive music educator. What's going on, my people? This is Eric, and I'm your host for The Score. Welcome to Episode 70, The Long Scars of Culturally Responsive Teaching by Jarrett Scheel. Article reading. So this week for us here locally in Texas, for a lot of school districts and universities, we are celebrating our spring break. So if you're still listening, you know, part of me wants to tell you to, to make sure you take some time to reflect, to rejuvenate yourself, to rest, uh, to spend time with family and do something that you love. Uh, but one of the intents that I wanted to bring to the table with this podcast is bringing scholarship um, more readily available to our listeners and to our colleagues in the work. And so, of course, I, I want to do more of this. So I am seeking more of our colleagues and friends that are writing articles and sharing some really, really important scholarship. And so one of our friends and past guests, episode 38, Hip Hop Music Ed, Jared Shield, has given us permission to narrate one of his most recent articles, and that's The Long Scars of Culturally Responsive Teaching. I can say that uh, if you are interested more in his work, please look him up, and he's outstanding. And so without further ado, this is The Long Scars of Culturally Responsive Teaching by Jared Scheel. The Long Scars of Culturally Responsive Teaching by Jared Scheel, Assistant Professor of Music Education, Berkeley College of Music, Fall 2021, Massachusetts Music Educator Journal, Culturally Responsive Column. Synopsis. In this article, the author reflects on his experiences of working within the frameworks and teaching practices of culturally responsive teaching and culturally relevant pedagogies, including the scars obtained from engaging in these frameworks. I report that what is contained within this article is very close and near to my heart in terms of lit experience. Baldwin, 1963. I will attempt to share objectively, but also truthfully, within the context of my truth, Dubois, 1903, about the scars of engaging in culturally relevant pedagogy and responsive teaching. I write this article because over the last year and a half, I've struggled with understanding the heavy load that often comes with using culturally relevant teaching and responsive pedagogy. Over the years, I've heard, seen, and felt significant amounts of stress and trauma that come from typical teaching life. Unfortunately, like so many others, I've also experienced an increase in the amount of stress and trauma in the previously mentioned instructional spaces due to the global pandemic and various movements, including the Black Lives Matter and Me Too movements, on top of the challenges in American society from the past five years. We all understand the difference that student-centered learning, Lanson Billings, 1995, can create, but oftentimes forget the price or tax that comes with these practices once we engage with them. This article attempts to explain, narrate, and mediate some of those tensions. During the height of COVID-19 pandemic, and even though we are still technically within the threshold of this pandemic, I notice an increase in the resistance to cordial discussions or dialogues around CRT or CRP, Lanson Billings, 1995. The topic of race in and of itself was met with the same resistance or more so in those same critical discussions and dialogues. Fast forward to January 6, 2021, the nation and the world watched a literal physical manifestation in the form of an insurrection on the capital of the United States of America. 
because some citizens had been led or misdirected to believe that the 2020 U.S. presidential election had been rigged. As an educator, I became very familiar with the similar disdain for conversations around critical theory, hypothetically being used in school districts, and how this set of analytical lenses were created to thwart knowledge rather than to clarify and refute common errors and long-held assumptions and traditions. I was plagued by the idea that there was a tide coming in, and the shore would be scattered with disassembled corpse of the educational and societal gains we seemingly were making in the face of the pandemic, racial unrest, and gender bias. I began thinking about the many scars I had gained when I attempted to engage in the work of CRT and CRP and beyond myself. I began to think about how these scars are rarely spoken above a whisper when teaching these topics to pre-service teachers. Particularly, while giving a talk to graduate students in the music and music education program at the University of Texas, students were given the opportunity to connect with me through reading prompts that I suggested, including W.E. DeBoer, Maxine Green, James Baldwin, as well as past MMEAJ article that I had written. After reading of The Coming of John, the 13th chapter of The Souls of Black Folk, by Dubois, one student posed a question about the readings that I have thought deeply about and ultimately became the impetus for this writing. Both Dubois, Baldwin, and Green describe a version of this educational paradox of finding yourself at war the more you are educated, and how this impacts the individual's worldview. All describe some degree of overwhelming despair and or rage. Do you see some of these practices described in your culturally responsive framework article as an opportunity to help both music educators and learners explore this tension and find a more dialectical approach towards societal issues instead of being at war or as being at war the goal? This thoughtfully written and clearly stated query regarding John Jones and his sister, Jenny's discussion about freedom and liberty, as well as the price of knowledge is very apparent in this question. Are culturally relevant practices here to incite or to invite? I say yes to both. This is due to the notion that these practices, instructional or otherwise, are centered in the idea of student-centered learning and the synthesis of understanding that come from relevant dialogue and production creation. We should question what we assume as fact. As such, before we can discuss these practices or pedagogies, there is a discussion of critical theory and its importance to this discussion. Critical theory has been cited by G.W.F. Hegel. What Hegel should be cited for is the dialectical approach and his philosophy, Hegelianism, summed up by the statement, the rationale alone is real. This has come to mean all reality is capable of being expressed in rational classification. It was Max Horkheimer and the Frankfurt School that really defined the practice of refuting assumptions and common errors as thesis, antithesis, and synthesis. As such, the war rages on for those educators and activists that seek to get beyond the conversations of equality and liberty in the future tense to that of the present tense, the now. If you're not familiar with the 13th chapter of Dubois' epic tom on the problem of race in America, Pharaoh and Black 2019, of the coming of John, it is the only work of fiction within the entire book and is written as such to bear striking contrast to the rest of the book which is based entirely in a socio-historical fact. In the chapter, the main character, John Jones, is rejected by his community after being educated and then ultimately clashes with the greater white community for seeking to grab the ring of equality for his, the black community, in Altamaha. This radical engagement with communities and doing work with them carries a heavy load. That's why it is imperative that those who work within the frameworks and instructional practices of culturally responsive teaching 
and culturally relevant pedagogies, Lanson Billings, Baldwin, need to really understand the scars, Burns, 2021, I speak of, aren't from being a teacher using these practices. Rather, these scars often come from being able to manage the incredible load, thwarting errors and assumptions that are presented to you. The biggest scars I have are from my experience as a student in which the teachers I had were attempting to do this work in name only and never really thinking that it caused trauma to those involved. That's why the end of Moral Parable written by Dubois concludes with the existential crisis. How do we deal with the scars we get from the work we do with communities? Going back to the original writing prompt that sparked this internal discussion, I realized the answer I gave to the young doctoral student at the time was insufficient. It did, however, open a door of dialogue within me, reverberations. I had several discussions and thought circles around how to deal with this epistemological war. The war of refuting your own knowledge, implicit bias, and interrogating your own assumptions. As a pilot often says, before takeoff, ladies and gentlemen, if the cabin pressure drops overhead, masks will deploy. Please place the mask over your head and mouth before helping others. Hearing this over and over again in my pre-pandemic travel on a regular basis, I began to understand the power of self-care and acknowledgement of our own issues as educators. We can't help others if we are damaged. And to say it another way, hurt people, hurt people. So before you engage in those culturally relevant pedagogies and responsive teaching approaches, make sure you've done the work of interrogating yourself before helping others interrogate, explore and examine theirs. The following poem speaks to managing this load, or better yet, the war. Managing the Load by Jared Ahmed Shield. This poem is for all of you that cannot handle the heavy load. This burden comes to us from an early age, perches itself right on top of our necks, and sits there idly by. As we face challenges and trials of life, here we handle the heavy load. This load is not real, for it's in our mind. It takes up space upon our spine, and we find the load once we balance, and now we go and forego the balance of life. The heavy loads say to us, make, create, and make people proud. Respect us, the politics of the smile. Keep the frown away. But once we know, remember, or are reminded of the heavy load, we manage, scrap, we fight, we must to overcome the power. We realize that it is us that handles the heavy load. Once we realize the power within us, we say, whose load is this? that we must carry your implicit bias and your acting scary. Who knows what burden and new traumas you hold that makes you place this heavy load? I don't know what to say to you to make you be resolute so that you may not place upon my back, my head, my son, my daughter, my grandmother, myself, this heavy load. This has been another production of The Score. Connect with us on social media at Pod the Score. Send us an email, podthescore at gmail.com, or visit our website, revivalmusicproject.org. If you've enjoyed this episode, do us a huge favor. Rate and review us. This will help us reach even more listeners. Intro music by Justin McLean. The rotation and outro music by Ben Borges. And as always, let's continue to impact these lives through the vehicle of music. Music.